You've been keeping your ears peeled for quite a while now, podcast fans, and uh, we really appreciate it. We've hit 100 unique listeners, so it is, as we promised, competition time. We've got a beautifully sexy red and black hoodie that has the Nitrogen logo. And also, we've got this special edition t-shirt, which we're not going to release the details of until there is a competition winner. Now, Brian, you've seen this t-shirt, and I want I want your honest opinions on what you think of it. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. And I know I know that sounded quite disingenuous a little bit because I've got a bit of a karaoke voice at the moment, but it is a fucking awesome t-shirt, and I know every single fan of this uh, of this podcast is gonna love it. It's a running joke between me and Brian and obviously all you guys out there listening as well. And we've had a couple of messages on Twitter, Facebook, even text messages, WhatsApp messages and everything where people have sort of come into the inside joke as well um, and sort of said it back to us and we always get a laugh out of it. So we won't go too much into that, but what we will go into is we'll go into the details of this competition and that is basically whatever social media platform you feel comfortable on whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, all you need to do is search out the Nitrogen Podcast, look for the pinned tweet or the pinned status, like and share, and you're in with a chance to win the hoodie or the T-shirt. It's as simple as that. Get a nice item of clothing for you to support your favourite boys over here. We aren't getting any financial reward out of this whatsoever. We're just doing this for the whole shits and giggles. But we wanted to give back to the people who have made us popular because we never expected this, did we, Brian? No, we expected it just to be a little bit of fun, a little bit of banter, as we Brits say. Uh, something for our our collective friends to enjoy. And we're, we've gotten new fans out of this like people that we don't know they're constantly following us on twitter um on instagram we get a hell of a mess a lot of messages on instagram i've actually found it very hard to keep up with that needless to say we haven't we have got more popular than what we ever expected to so have a look on your social media networks look for the pin tweet or the pin status share it like it you don't need to let us know if you've shared it or liked it because it will come up in the statistics anyway and we will pick two random winners to win a hoodie or a t-shirt so stay tuned because in a few weeks time we'll be releasing the name of that lucky or those lucky winners of the nitrogen merchandise Guten Tag, all you WCW fans and the wrestling fans out there that might not like WCW, but you're following along the Nitros with the Nitrogen podcast. It's me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth, as always, and my good buddy over there, Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw. Oh, God, it's been really, really tiring this week, so I have to apologise for my very croaky voice. Um, I'm actually still recovering from a stag dude that I went to <laughs> a few days ago. Um, yeah, but other than that, all's good. That's good to hear that, my friend. Um, obviously, we've, we're on the back end of Super Bowl six now. We've got um, one episode, a first episode of a watch along of Super Bowl six in the bag. We've had some positive, really positive feedback from you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, what have you heard back about that, Brian? 
tell you what, I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, this reputation of drinking during podcasts, it's... Uh... Yeah, we've had some really good feedback so far. Uh, people seem to be enjoying the the palate cleanser of a watch along. So, yeah, I think we'll probably do some more of them in the future. I'm, I'm all for it, mate. I mean, uh, we may as well let the cat out of the bag. We all know that we're going to be doing Bash at the Beach 1996. And there's going to be a few more in the pipeline. We're not sure what, we're not sure when. But as Brian said in that podcast, if you guys have got a suggestion, by all means, tweet us up, Facebook us up. You can even Instagram us if you like. Uh, at NitrogenCast is all you need to search for. We're there and we're ready for your feedback and we're ready for your suggestions when it comes to that sort of stuff. We just hope that you enjoyed it from what we're hearing. It wasn't too bad, although I've been told off once or twice for swearing too much. <laughs> Which, by the way, guys, if you haven't checked it out, um, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to save these uh, videos from the Instagram stories that Mark had posted yesterday. But, and, uh, yeah, he basically, what he did is... There was that much swearing, so we censored it, and the episode itself is funny alone for that. But the censored version, it's absolutely brilliant. I actually showed my brother it earlier on today, and he said it was like listening to Morse code. <laughs> but I will save these, and I'll put them on our Twitter, our Facebook. You know, I, I, I think there is an option to like uh, feature it on Instagram, isn't there? I think so, yeah. You yeah. put it as a highlight. Ah, that's the one. I, I'm going to do that as we speak. Excellent. I did put it on my Instagram as well, although a very edited version so that people would actually go to the Nitrogen podcast Instagram. We put it on there as an Instagram exclusive just for the 24 hours prior to the to the upload. But I wanted to, uh, wanted to forewarn everybody that it got very expletive. And as, as Brian did say, on that podcast we were only seven minutes in and i was already losing my shit over and the thing is brian should be losing his shit because he's the wwe fan i'm the wcw fan i should be defending this shit but there's absolutely no defense and i think i was justified yeah absolutely but that's by the by it's all done and dusted it's all in the can and uh, it's ready for your listening pleasure i'll try not to get as hot although these next two nitros Boy, I got hot when I was watching them and not in a good way. So let's jump straight into Nitro number 24, which is going down from Florida State Fair in Tampa, Florida on February 12th, 1996. Obviously, we're coming straight out of Super Bowl six, So Mongo, Brain and Bischoff are running down the highlights with some still shots for what seems like the first time in all the fallout shows of a Nitro they've actually covered it always seems like at the beginning they don't cover the pay-per-views as well as they covered this one or is it in as much detail or they basically do what they did with fall bro is that they're going to tease the coverage and tease it and tease it and tease it and then just show a little clip at the end oh yeah all the way through they was like oh we've lost the videotape like which would be such a wcw thing to do it's going straight into a match. Uh, we, we, we've got Hugh Morris and the Macho Man Randy Savage starting off this one. Obviously, Macho Man is on the back of losing the title at Super Bowl Six to Ric Flair, but that's not all he's lost, is it, Brian? No, he's lost Miss Elizabeth. He's lost his home. He's lost. He lost the alimony. He's lost everything. Yeah, this Savage is something it. that Bobby Heenan takes. 
huge joy in throughout the night. He does, absolutely. I mean, it's a bit harsh to say that he's lost so much stuff and, you know, lost uh, the world title, which is obviously the most important thing to a wrestler. It doesn't matter about your house, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but, of course, we've got to look at this in context. This happened, like, years ago. Liz and Macho sort of split up. It's just that Liz is now coming out and saying, you know, I've took all this sort of stuff and I've ruined his life. And in, in a way... You know, Liz and Macho were they were quite tight again. They were friends and he had his valet and his manager there to help him out at times and now she's gone. Macho's feeling high dry and not very handsome. Uh, but of course he's got his old buddy, the old red and yellow, the Hulkster in his waiting in the wings. So right off the bat we're told um we're told that Savage and Fleur will face off in the mandatory title rematch next Monday night on Nitro. But Macho's coming down to the ring with none of the vigour that the Macho is known for, especially in his entrances. The match itself, primarily a fight between these two with the odd wrestling move thrown in, just a lot of... I was going to say shoot, but obviously it wasn't potatoing. Uh, just, we're just all out brawling, really, which has become the norm when it comes to a Macho Man match. And very heelish antics from Savage as well. Very true, yeah. It's like he's, he's eye-raking, he's hair-pulling, he's face-raking, choking. It, it's just a back-and-forth brawl for the most part. Yeah, just the odd wrestling move thrown in. And the commentary spends a lot of time putting over that Macho's head has been turned after losing the title and obviously losing Elizabeth as well. Um, there's not much to really say about the match itself. Like we said, it's just brawling a couple of wrestling moves that go to the outside and, and, and all the rest of it. But the finish comes when Morris misses uh, his patented moonsault with Macho hitting two top rope elbows to finish him as well. And I found this I found this good for Hugh Morris because it meant that he needed two to be pinned, but also it, it developed Macho's being really angry and pissed off at the world that he wanted to take out his punishment by dropping two finishers. So two top rope elbows. He does go for a third after the pinfall, which then, obviously, like you said, it's a little bit of a heel tactic. But Morris rolls out of the ring. Macho gets onto the mic, seeming, seemingly impromptu, and says, you're right, it's not him that I want to beat up. It's the nature boy. Throws the mic on the ground, leaves the ring, and goes all the way up the entranceway, giving a high five to a couple of people. But I did like seeing the Macho Man sort of turn round as he gets to the corner end of the entranceway, almost where the ramp is again, and he sees this little kid and he decides to go over and rubs him on his head and, and shakes hands with him and stuff like that. It was really, really wholesome content, I think. Yeah, he's going through some problems, but he doesn't forget the kids. Yeah, the one thing that I've always heard about Macho is he was just, he just loved children. Like, he just fucking break anything he was doing for five minutes to go and, go and talk to the kids and all that lot. Um, we go to a break and after that Mean Gene is interviewing Steve Grissom who's a NASCAR driver for the Team WCW sponsored car at the Daytona 500 and... oh is he? because I got none of that oh okay fair enough I... <laughs> right. I just saw this random dude and my head just tuned completely out I just saw uh, a car with the WCW logo on it. That was pretty much it. I'm like, 
I wrote down, me and Gene were some motorsport guy. WCW have a car that uh, will compete in Daytona. Lost on me. Yeah, we... Um, I say we. I'm, I'm nothing to do with this company. Um, WCW did have... They had a number of cars actually moving forward. They had like a Goldberg car and a Sting car and all kinds of stuff as as we move forward in WCW. So I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing more NASCAR drivers. The thing I, I got about Steve Grissom, I'm sure he's a lovely bloke and I'm sure he's really good at what he does and everything like that. But there's an old South Park episode about NASCAR and that it's primarily targeted at Hicks and what people in America would call Hicks and, you know, sort of slack jaw yorkles if you want to go the simpsons route cotton jaw cotton jaw yeah yeah very southern people and steve grissom was basically that although he did look a little bit more intellectual than what south park and the simpsons have um, portrayed people like that to be yeah he looked more like a midwestern like businessman type but he just had that very very southern drawl Definitely. Um, he kind of just... He, he steps away from the stereotype, is what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair to WCW, this is a pretty big deal. NASCAR is a big thing in America, although over here, not so much. The only time we hear about it is when somebody's crashed and died, which is unfortunate. But then they go back and do it again. So what can you say, really? And then next up, we've got St- Scotty Riggs versus Loch Ness, a.k.a. Giant Haystacks, who's accompanied to the ring by Jimmy Hart. So I did watch this episode, or I did watch these episodes a couple of times to make sure that I didn't miss anything because I have this, um, I have this little thing for missing these little nuggets of of heninisms, and I did, I wanted to make sure that this week we recorded a Nitrogen podcast where I didn't miss much, if any, of these heninisms. It turns out the WWE Network and the people who write the captions for the WWE Network, have never heard of the uh, term hats off to someone. The captions instead, when Scotty Riggs was coming down to the ring, said pants off. Um, <laughs> pants off, he's got a lot of courage. <laughs> no, maybe the thing that's... is, the irony is, I could see it being a t-shirt. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but... Mark actually texted me this whilst we were in work, and all I could think of was, hmm, the only lyrics I know of the American Males uh, theme song is American Males, American Males. That's all I know. After that, pfft, nothing. So all I could think of was it going into the verse and going, pass off, he's got lots of courage. <laughs> Maybe that's what it actually is. And Heenan was just referencing it. It was Bischoff. Oh, was it Bischoff? It was. I know I was ah. talking about Heenanisms, but it was Bischoff that said that. So that says he's coming to the uh, ring, and I also can't wait for the next time that karaoke's on because I'm going to make sure that whoever's doing the karaoke has got American Males theme tune, and we're going to sing that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have no other lyrics and Pants Off has got yeah. lots of courage. And obviously the... Very well repeated, American males, American males, American males, times 100. Yeah, but we'll harmonise. You say harmonise. I can't harmonise for shits. <laughs> uh, we'll give it a go. We'll, we'll, 
We'll give it the old college try as I say. Yeah. So the, char- the the commentary are obviously trying to put over the fact that the that they respect the fact that Riggs didn't turn down this challenge of Loch Ness, although he probably should have. And as discussed before, um, Loch Ness's giant hair stacks from the old world of sport days. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're under the age of 30, you might want to go and talk to your mom and pa about this because them guys definitely know who this big motherfucker is. He was a big deal in the 80s. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Mongo- go on. You, you say if you're under 30... I mean, that that's pretty much around our demographic, our, you know, as in me and you. And mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm I'm nearly 33, you're 34. And uh, shall we keep that age in? Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, like, I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, what, what did we have in the early 2000s? We had TWC, the wrestling channel, which had a hell of a lot of world of sport on. So, I'll I'll be very surprised if people our age or you know just a little bit younger of us don't know who he is. Maybe teenagers won't know, but I reckon p- people in their twenties would know. Definitely, the uh, the British contingent of the Nitrogen Podcast is. We need a name for the people. The uh... I mean, test had his testicles. <laughs> he did. <laughs> We can't have the casticles, can we? No, we can't have that. The casticles. Why does We're that sound have to give like this a some disease thought. or something? Yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the casticles. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, you just got the casticles. <laughs> we'll have to give this some thought. But yes, uh, again, suggestions on the old social media networks. We'd actually love that. We need. I was, fi- uh, I was thinking Gen Xers, but that would be very confusing. It would be, but having said that, it could work for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, let's have a think about this because we we need we've hundred unique listeners, man, one hundred unique listeners. And if you aren't in with the competition, go back to the beginning of this podcast and find out the details for the competition because seriously, that T-shirt is ridiculously good. It is. And if you've got any suggestions for collective names for our listeners, uh, just hit us. Uh... A tweet, a message, yada, yada, yada. You know what to do. Yeah. Carrier Pigeon, P.O. Box 141. Um, Smoke signals. Yeah. Anything. Voice any. called. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark speaks it, apparently. <laughs> F*** off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going back to the entrance of Loch Ness, uh, Mongo has a great line in this. I hope you heard it, Brian. Um, he says that he saw Loch Ness flossing backstage earlier with the camera cables. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I and I th- I'm pretty sure Heenan just turned around and said, no, nah, he was just eating him. <laughs> oh, God. So we're building Loch Ness as near 700 pounds. And fuck me, does he look like an absolute brute. Like, he's a big guy. Absolutely no two ways about it. Riggs goes straight to it with a drop kick, which all, we've got to. All I'm to. saying is if I was, uh, you know, um, a mall Santa Claus... And he was a kid. He'd be the last kid I want sitting on my knee. Because I can imagine that he would have been pretty fucking huge back then. Yeah, your knee's going to invert, I think. Oh, Oh, God, Jesus. Yeah, no. (laughs) As someone that has knee issues, that made me cringe. Yeah. 
Maybe he should have been the Santa. All them mince pies and them, all that milk. You know what? He'd make a great Santa. He would have. R.I.P. So Riggs goes straight to it with a <laughs> so drop awkward. kick that uh, I need to ask you about for the drop kick on, on me too, and I'm hoping because we've got a lot of drop kicks to come. <laughs> um, yeah, I put down uh, six because it had no effects. This is true. There was there was no effect. Um, nothing happened. Um, there's more strikes and a top rope splash that Loch Ness dropped him on. I'm pretty sure he was supposed to catch him and probably slam him down, but Loch Ness, in his first appearance on Nitro, just falls over. Um, he instantly seemed to fuck up any plans from that point onwards, but Loch Ness drops two massive elbows, and I'm not... I'm Calling them elbows is like an insult. They're like an elbow splash. Yes. Because he's that big of a guy. Like, seriously, his, both his breasts are just literally in your face. And Eric Bischoff had the perfect line to describe him. Splat! Yes. That's, That's pretty much say. it. And yeah. this elbow is he's clearly going down as his finishing move because it's a one, it's a two, and it's a three. But before, even before the three count, Jimmy Hart is already in the ring, running around, celebrating like a madman. Fucking so there we have it. It's the natural debut of Loch Ness. Um, it's nothing to write home about, really, but we are putting over this guy as a monster and he literally does not need any time or any moves to put you away. I kind of like... We've already had Stephen Regal. I kind of like the idea that we now we've got like a... The British legend. It was always Giant Airstacks and Big Daddy, and there's always the, there's always like the argument that Dynamite Kid should be in there and all that sort of stuff. But Big Daddy and Giant Airstacks are always the first two that you come to when it comes mm-hmm. to world of sport wrestling. It's a weird gimmick, is this Loch Ness? Because Mongo straight away asks if Loch Ness is from England, and I'm like, yes, he is, but I'm just as confused as you are. Because we all know that Loch Ness monster is not English. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have that same gripe. I think. I mean, obviously, he's not dressed as a monster. He's dressed as a mechanic. (laughs) And it's true. (laughs) Like you can imagine, like a mechanic working for the military or something like that. They actually have camo, like camo overalls. Mm. That's pretty much what he's dressed as. You know, he's got the the cut-off sleeves with the white T-shirt underneath. I mean, it's so fucking stereotypical of a mechanic. The bloody, you know, those kind of mechanics you would find, like, uh, in East London or something like that. You know, the, the the overalls that are cut off at the sleeves, the white T-shirt and the black leather gloves. It's like, you, you... seriously, seriously, more effort, please. I'm not asking it, asking to dress him up in a Halloween costume, but... Give him some face paint. Give him better attire. Just something. Just it, it, You are going to give him a gimmick such as the mysterious mytho- mythological Loch Ness monster. You know, give him more monster elements. Yeah, I mean, his outfit kind of reminded me of the murky waters of, uh, you know, where the Loch Ness monster is. But other than that, I agree. There's not... There's, it's, it's very generic. Um, you could just give him a mechanic gimmick, really. 
He just comes down with you like a tire iron and just starts smacking people over the head with it. Not that he fucking needs it at the size he is, but... The only problem this, this is 1996, and Vince McMahon would look at that and like, yeah, I'm going to sign him. Yeah, because they true. had every other fucking career going there. They, they had a plumber, they had a golfer, they, they had a fucking repo man called the repo man. Yeah. <laughs> you know... Yeah, yeah, it would have fit well into nineteen ninety six WWF. Well, speaking of the WWF, we do have a little bit to cover when it comes to the end of this podcast, but we'll continue. So after this match, Mean Gene is uh, he's at the entranceway with Woman and Elizabeth, who are pulling out a hospital bed. <laughs> no, I I did enjoy this segment. I can't lie. Oh, I fucking love this segment. Yeah. <laughs> Liz said it's, it was it was mentioned that someone would leave on a gurney at Super Brawl and then Fleur springs up off the bed. And what does he say, Brian? <laughs> right, I, I, I've got to paint the actual picture here. I can't just leave it as that he just sprung up. Like, you know, um, basically, Liz, as very wooden as she is here, she's very wooden, she basically just says... Floyd promised someone would leave Super Bowl on a gurney, and it may have taken 24 hours, but here you are. Floyd pops up like, I don't know, like a jack-in-the-box from underneath the sheet, fully fucking dressed in a suit, dressed <laughs> to the nines, shirt and everything, and he just goes, <laughs> I was just taking a little cut nap. Uh, honestly, I just fucking lost it. It was a really, really good way to... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just thought, oh, no, what the fuck are they going to do now? And then when he did that, it just flew makes. It can make the silliest thing just so fucking awesome. Absolutely gold. <laughs> he puts over that woman and Miss Elizabeth are now with the horseman, as well as obviously putting over the fact that he's the 13-time World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he takes a few steps back after Mean Gene had said, you're going to have to face Macho Man next week. He says he loves any time that he gets to walk that aisle, jet fly, limousine ride, and talk about Space Mountain with the girls all night. It's just classic Ric Flair stuff. Of course, it's the same. A little bit of the, the crazy, just, just maxed out. Like, it, it's just brilliant. It's just gold stuff. It's like, I don't think there's been a promo so far in WCW where I have been fixated on the TV throughout. I don't think there's been a promo where I've actually watched it like 10 times in a row. Because that's what <laughs> I did with this. I just loved it so much. It definitely deserved that. Definitely deserves it. Uh, we, we then get um, a rare little piece of uh, Miss Elizabeth on the microphone. And she puts over that she took up 50% of everything, as we were detailing earlier on. Uh, she then starts to freeze. As you were saying, she's a little bit wooden, but she manages to find um, find a way to get it back together, just as it looks like Ric Flair's about to take over. Don't forget, guys, this is live. You know, you, There's absolutely no room for error whatsoever. Uh, but she does manage to complete her promo, whilst at the end, they all end up giving a big woo! Um, I will say one thing. It's... Liz tied everything together almost perfectly here. I'd mm. say the verbiage, 
was perfect. Not her delivery. You know, mm. very much absolutely spot on. Just basically referencing how Macho Man is over the edge, basically. It, it, how possessive he, possessive he was back in the back in the eighties and the early nineties, and how he wouldn't let her talk and very real stuff, very real stuff. And we got we got to we got to take into account. Savage would have allowed her to say this. You know, I, I think at this point he was starting making peace with himself as a human being and how and his ways and things like that. Um, but yeah, he would have allowed her to actually say this. If he hadn't, then, you know, fucking hell. It, it, it's, it, it, it shouldn't be as well received as it is. But again, we're, we're also looking at it retroactively. You know, it's 2020, this is 1996. You know, it's all been done and dusted. It's, it makes sense is what we're getting at. Perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, the what I've got to say about the whole 50-50 thing and everything like that, everything that Liz says, basically, I kind of think comes from a spot of real, reality. Exactly. I think that that genuinely happened. But like you said, I think Macho is, and, and, and Elizabeth, to a point, obviously, because she's the one that had to endure it as well. They've accepted it, so they think it's it's something that they can put into a promo. Neither of them will get offended by it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all the details, as far as I'm concerned, I think are probably true. I mean, they're going on about alimony and stuff like that, but I thought alimony was for child support. You know what I mean? Like They don't have any children together, so that didn't make any sense. But more or less, we know which direction they're going, and... Um, Boy, it got it gets Liz a little bit of heel heat as well, doesn't it? Um, yes. The final thing I will say about Liz is, is that I've always got this impression that she is a very shy and timid character. Um, to be a heel, valet. I mean, you've got you, you've got woman on the other side, you know, and she's the epitome of of a of a heel valet. You know, she's 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 got the look, she's got the stir, she's got the ability. She's got this self-confidence and I'll be honest, I've not heard her that much on the mic, but when I have heard her on the mic, she's believable as well. Absolutely. I think I've only ever that seen her That was the word I was going to say. She's believable. Her, her character just seems very true unto itself. Mm. Liz, Liz could have learned a lot from woman, I think, uh, but I, unfortunately, I think that she was kind of in a position where she had a mic sort of thrust on her and she had to make do with it. Absolutely nothing wrong with her, you know, the beginning of the promo and the end of the promo. It's just that middle where she kind of froze and she she lost the train of thought a little bit because she's just so shy and timid and just lovely. Yeah, when we're saying that she was wooden, we're not criticising her. No. It's, just a, it, it's just how it is. But it was perfectly rescued. It was a really good segment. Just that tiny little bit. If, they could have, if you could edit, it, edit that bit out, you know the whole thing would be perfect and would be actually one of the most, I would say, one of the iconic moments of Nitro. I honestly would. Yeah, I agree. So next up, we're going to have a match, uh, the debut of Devon Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar. Many people oh. may know him as. Oh, gimmick infringement. Straight away, I slapped my table down. I went, that's my fucking gimmick. Dangerous. <laughs> you know, and... I know this is 1996, but I got nicknamed Dangerous when in well, when I was four years old. 
you know, uh, do the math, people. I'm 34 next year in 2021. That's 1991 when I was given the nickname Dangerous by my Uncle Tony. You have some explaining to do, Devon. I'm hot. I'm fucking hot about this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I should have well, never know that shit. One day, you might be able to ask him. So this is going to be Devon Storm versus Conan. Uh, as we found out on the um, Super Bowl watch along, Conan is now the United States champion. But as we'll find out on this Nitro, he's the US champion and the Mexican champion at the same time. Double champ, baby. See, Jericho's been pissing and moaning about this on Twitter because uh, uh, <laughs> Steve Austin told him, that it was a fluke, let it go, like, like, you know, when he won the Undisputed Championship, like, Conan did it first. <laughs> yeah. Not worldwide, just... <laughs> I, I can't even say that with a straight face, man. <laughs> no, no, not not easy. Devon Storm is uh, all dressed in green, uh, with sunglasses and a blonde mullet. Not, he's definitely not the crowbar, I remember. Um, he looks like... Do uh, you remember um, Leaf Cassidy, Al Snow's gimmick, uh, his original gimmick in WWE? Mm. Yeah, he basically, he, he did try to form the new Rockers with Marty Jannetty. Uh, well, obviously, the Rockers dressed a bit like that as well, didn't they? A little but, yeah, bit, yeah. It, it, oh, it just reminded me so much of Leaf Cassidy. Yeah. It's just black with lime green and tassels, and it's all over the place. Not a good look. Yeah, it's, there's no obvious gimmick here, is there really? But um, the commentary well, does... Well, there is an obvious gimmick. It's dangerous. Yeah, the, the, the commentary... <laughs> yeah, that, obviously. And the commentary, uh, they're, they're saying that he's a bit of a sicko and that he doesn't care if he hurts himself so long as he's hurting somebody else and making him making a name for himself. But then he's dressed in colourful gear. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, yeah. With blonde hair as well. And then we get Conan coming out with his weird superhero outfit that's like bright pink. And, I mean, it, it, if anything, this is a really colourful match, to be fair. We go to a break uh, just before the match, and once back, we are straight into it with um, a drop kick. I oh. miss that. You might have. Um, Devon spends no time grabbing the chair. He searched for it for a while, actually. Well, not for a while, but he sort of he went one place and it wasn't there, and he went to another place and then he found one. There's a lot of times in wrestling... You'll find wrestlers just go and, oh my God, there's a chair, like miraculously there. So I did like that Devon spent a little bit of time actually going and searching for the chair. There's a small nuance that, you know, I, I kind of appreciate a little bit more. Yeah, unfortunately, it's gotten way too common this day, uh, these days where they just look under the apron and there's a chair there, there's like a uh, shining light going, ah, and the little yeah. boy saying, it's dangerous to go on, take this chair. You know, it's yeah, it, it happens way too often. I did like that he actually sold it. Like you know, he he had to genuinely look for a chair. Yeah, and he didn't use it in the normal way. He didn't just go smashing it over Conan's head. He actually used it to elevate himself over the top rope for a sent on to the outside, uh, which he followed up with a beautiful missile drop kick, running missile drop kick from the apron. And I'm going to ask you on the dropkick on him on this one. I did spot this, and I gave it a sweet, solid nine. Yes, it deserved it. It was a really, really good dropkick. Very, very very slick and sweet. 
the pair of us are just hard for drop kicks, but yeah, this was fucking up there. Like, oh, really oh mate, like I don't fucking go to Pornhub or like that shit. I just, I just watch a compilation of the best drop kicks ever and just, you know, get my wank on that way. <laughs> it's always good when your porn's on YouTube instead of. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he then sets up. There's gonna be people listening to this and be like, "Ugh, I'm not listening to this no more. Brains are fucking weirdo." <laughs> hey we've all got a kinks I'll start up for you bro you, we've all got a kinks right if this is a drop kick then let him have it right especially if it's a stiff drop kick anyway let's move on he then sets up the steps uh, from the corner to go for a head scissors on a seated Conan who's been sat down on the chair that he previously used. Um, but he's caught and he's powerbombed onto the floor covering the concrete floor, obviously, and that's only a thin pad. And that's kind of going to hurt a little bit. It looked like Conan was struggling a little bit to get him up, but it just ended up slamming him down anyway. Much of this match is, is Conan with strikes and holds with Storm getting the odd move in including a backspring single leg kick from the rope. The finish comes as Storm attempts a Frankensteiner from the top rope, but is powerbombed to the mat hard, with Conan having rolled through to hold his legs and eventually pin his shoulders, just because the momentum's kind of took him forward and, and Devon Storm's head kind of popped out, but then it sort of popped back in again. And the referee counts the shoulders on the mat. One, two, three... And it's um it's job done for job done for Devon Storm's natural debut. Yeah. I I, I that powerbomb is gonna give me nightmares. <laughs> I it just looks so gnarly, so nasty. It's I, I would have been very surprised if Devon wasn't actually hurt from that. Mm. I mean like I won't say seriously hurt, but you know, I imagine like there would be some significant neck pain from that. It fucking looks sore. And I think it looked worse because you said he rolled through for a pin. It was a bridging pin as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like you're just putting all that pressure back onto the neck. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. It was um, not not to be smart about this, but it was good on Devon Storm's point to just sort of fucking wrap his head back in so that he could, you know, complete the, the finish because it did look like he was just going to pop out and his shoulders were just sort of going to come off the mat which would have completely fucked the finish up and they would have had to do something else in prompt and um, could have seriously hurt him very true yeah um but not a bad not a bad showing for devon storm on his, on his debut and obviously we're, we're going over for um i find it hard to get excited about conan to be honest just i think it's just because i know he's a bit of a piece of shit yes but also i just didn't think he were all that in the ring decent but nothing that really stood out to me. Now, when he goes in the Filthy Animals, I like the Filthy Animals, but primarily, that's Rey Mysterio Jr. and Kidman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, Conan's, again, he's, he's he's the old guy hanging out with the, the the hip, cool kids that can actually fucking wrestle ace matches. Well, but anyway. I was actually going to say free live crew, and then remembered who was actually in that group, Raw Dog and Care Quick. Well, or truth, or wrong killings, whatever name you want to go by, you know. And wrong killings himself is a fairly good wrestler. He's yeah. very, very agile and yeah. has his a style that is very unique to his own. 
but fucking Raw God can't wrestle for shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't really compare them. It's like the old man hanging out with the with the young guys that can wrestle. No, the young guy that can wrestle and uh, Brian James. <laughs> yeah. all, I, I can't I can't give him any more. Oh, if it's any consolation, he's actually a really nice guy. Uh, met him a few years ago at a TNA event, and uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a decent bloke. Him and, him and Billy Gunn, to be fair. And a mate of mine is a massive DX fan, so he was jealous as fuck as soon as I sent him that photo. Uh, on to the main event here of Nitro. We've got Orrin Anderson, who is accompanied to the ring by a woman, versus Hulk Hogan. Ah, typical Hulk Hogan taking the spotlight in the main event, but he is. But I'll also the... give him a pass because it is against Orrin fucking Anderson, and for me, that theme alone is enough to sell me on Orrin Anderson. Anyway, you know, I'm like, I listen to that theme and I'm like, yeah, that guy's a main eventer. So yes, I'm fucking happy with this. We were talking about hard ons for drop kicks. Um... I've literally put the music to make love to. So the dropkick gives you the hard-on. The music sets the mood. Let's do it. Um, then it's Hulk Hogan's turn. And what I did want to know is that, uh, not only did I hear this in commentary, but I also saw it in the um, in the captions at the bottom. Eric Bischoff called Hulk Hogan lit, L-I-T, in 1996. So I want to make this abundantly clear to anybody that likes using these 21st century generation Z or whatever fucking generation it is that, that thinks that they created words to describe like stan culture and fucking all the fucking rest of it. Lit, 1996, Eric Bischoff describing Hulk Hogan. I will never use that term again. <laughs> I didn't even know I, you'd used it. <laughs> I, use it I use it ironically. And the fact that Eric Bischoff... I, coined that phrase that's fine but coining the phrase to describe Hulk Hogan that it just makes me want to like slam my head against my desk it is unfortunate yeah very very much so but yeah I mean the only the only thing that Hulk Hogan looks lit about the only thing I could describe Hulk Hogan as being lit is that he looks like he's been a hot dog lit on the fucking barbecue yeah. <laughs> it, it's the only ah uh, you know yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let's. Um, Hogan's still got one eye covered as well. So that's from the uh, stiletto um, a week ago or whatever. I like what Heenan said about it, though. Hogan is working with a damaged headlight. Yeah, that was a that was an odd one, a headlight. Um, but it, I, I thought that was a very nice reference, to be honest with you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Orn... As far as I'm concerned, Owen makes Hogan look like a fucking superstar in this match. Uh, not only selling really well for him, but also playing every position perfectly with his ring awareness uh, for the both of them as well. So he's sort of directing where Hogan needs to be as well. Uh, everything was on point when it came to Owen. Arguably the best match I've ever seen Hogan in. Yeah. I, I love Heenan in this though, as you just said. Uh, rants about how Hogan gets away with ripping people's arms off, biting, clawing, ramming heads into ring posts, and says he's always made up his own rules and everybody just goes along with it. Yeah, his quote way. is, I hate Hulk Hogan, and I absolutely agree with all of it. Yeah, finally, someone fucking said it. 
Thank you, Heenan. And we know that Enan's sort of playing a character here and, and all the rest of it. And he does say, like, oh, for personal reasons, I'm not going to describe why. But he just goes on the tangent and just absolutely tears Hogan apart, which I'm sure Hogan wasn't fucking happy about. But who gives a fuck? I'm on Heenan's side for this. And normally I'm not on Heenan's side. He's a very amusing commentator. But normally he's always on the heel side. And I'm not for that. But generally, here... Anytime Hogan's out, when he, it's just the vitriol that he uses to say, I hate Hulk Hogan. Just so real and passionate about it. It just made me feel, you know, it made me feel like I was definitely on Heenan's side for this. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of heels, there's one thing that Mongo actually said in this match. Um, because Rick and Liz come out. I, I'm just calling her Liz, by the way. That's what it is in my notes. It's not Miss Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. It's just Liz. Mm-hmm. And Mongo says, we have enough heels at ringside. It's like, Mongo, what the fuck are you breaking kayfabe for? Why are you using wrestling terminology? You know, that <laughs> that really shouldn't be used on TV. He he was he, he was meaning the um, shoes. Really? Ah. Yeah, it's a double entendre. Oh, okay. I didn't think about that. Yeah, he, he he mentions it. He says there's that many heels at ringside that I could open my own shoe shop. He did say that, yes. Yeah. So he's, it's a double entendre. I kind of appreciated it a little bit maybe, because it's maybe kind of inside. A, yeah, maybe a knowing wink. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I can appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, it I, was. I stand corrected. Sorry, um, sorry Steve Mongo, Mike Michael. Yeah. I bow my head in shame. Like he cares. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, Hogan is on top of this match. Uh, Arn, again, selling like a trooper all the time. Arn gets the upper at hand with some cheap shots just as Flair and Liz are coming down from the back to back up Arn. There's a spine buster from Arn, but only a two count, and Arn flies out of the kick out from Hogan like a fucking madman. It didn't really make much sense, to be honest. It did. It made no fucking sense. No, I mean the momentum and the trajectory just didn't fucking make any sense whatsoever. It looked really silly on TV. But and Hulk Hogan isn't that strong. No, Hogan hulks up while the woman is screaming at ringside. Hogan then struts like Fleur and locks in a figure four right in front of Fleur. He goes about it um, an unorthodox way. Sort of, he puts his leg through and then wraps it round and then puts the leg over. Whereas, obviously, Ric Flair is the showman. He does it the uh, showmanship way. Hogan just... Again, this is this is stuff that Hogan's basic. He, he's the showman. He's not a wrestler. He's a showman. He should know that you've got to make the most of this move. Hold the one leg, spin a finger while you're walking around the ring, and then wrap your wrap their leg around your leg. You, you've got to make a dance out of it. Instead... Totally he intricately agree. puts his left the, the leg s- inside and bends Arn's leg and then lies down and then puts his other leg over his foot. Uh, just Yeah, execution aside, I did love the strut that he yeah. did before. Um, so, it was very comical. You don't expect Hulk Hogan to be doing shit like that and then he just does a Ric Flair strut out of fucking nowhere. Like... I, I did enjoy that. I, I did get a genuine chuckle out of that. Yeah, and it developed the, the ongoing animosity between, obviously, Arn, Rick, and Hogan as well. So, um, 
we're always developing something here. I just think he could have done a little bit more with the the figure four. Again, point you know, point the finger at Flair. I just go, you brother, but then spin around, right? Be dramatic, and that's going to add so much more to it. Um, or do the stroke. Why was he doing that? Yeah, true. Yeah, we'll give it a big woo or whatever. Anyway, could you imagine Hulk Hogan saying woo? <laughs> Well, the only time he he does do it, and he does do it against Flair, but he always he always does the sting thing with the hands up against the uh, against the mouth. I've never understood why, but yeah, he always goes woo like that with his hands up. Um, He's getting his woos mixed up. Yeah, he is a little bit, and I think he realizes at the end once he's done it, and then he quickly snaps his hands down again. (laughs) (laughs) So Flair comes in. Obviously, he's, he's nicked his finishing move, so Flair comes in, but Hogan manages to get him in, in a small package at the same time as having Orn Anderson in a figure four. This 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 was fairly decent. For Hulk Hogan, yeah, this I was decent. This. Meanwhile, woman um, has managed to get some powder, and she's uh, ripped the package open, and she's got it in her hand. She throws it right in Hogan's eye just as he's coming over to her. Oh, fucking hell. There was so much powder in the ring, it was like a Motley Crue tour bus. <laughs> Just poof everywhere. Mate, I love you for that reference. I fucking really do. Honestly, that's ace. Uh, (laughs) Arn is given the boot that belonged to Liz in that melee and Arn smashes it in Hogan's other eye to get the pinfall. Uh, The commentary here are absolutely shocked. And as the horsemen celebrate, Hogan is back up from the powder and the boot, and he's essentially just no-selling this now. Uh, and he fights on and Fleur, and Macho comes to join the fun. Comes in with a chair and gets a shot on Fleur, but Fleur gets out, heads to the commentary desk, just to cut up Hogan on the microphone. Bischoff absolutely kecks it, like goes like four octaves higher than he fucking should be able to with testicles. And Oh my God. <laughs> I, I was just reading my comments and it just reminded me of, again why I love Rick Flora it said he picks up the headset and he's just screaming hello yeah, hello he hello does. <laughs> he does like, <laughs> Rick we know the headset works okay they're doing commentary <laughs> why are you saying hello <laughs> He was just trying to get his fucking gas and electric back on that's what he was doing <laughs> like he's just he's just on hold hello hello <laughs> So Bischoff absolutely, you know, beats a hasty retreat. Heenan sticks around. Arn mentions that he can beat Hogan again while Hogan is stalking this lot. Uh, and he runs them off the commentary desk. Arn did say, I can beat you any place, anytime, anywhere. Heenan's headset is wrestled off by Hogan, who attempts to cut a promo. And then Gene comes he out with a microphone. breaks in his arms. Yeah. Hogan accepts. He just fucking crumbles apart. <laughs> It got really fucking messy, this. Like, really messy. It, it did. It's that cocaine. It just set them off, didn't it? That Motley Crew co- the crew cocaine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. uh, Gene comes out with your mic. Hogan accepts Orange challenge for next week again. So it'll be Orin versus Hogan 2. Matt Shaw says that Fleur next week will be Hilter Skilter. I'm for, so fucking glad you referenced that. Absolutely no reason that should come up. <laughs> no, no reason at all. <laughs> just typical match, you're just saying things just because 
just because it's macho. Yeah, it it it's fucking completely nonsensical. Helter skelter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we go off the air oh. with these two, just allowed to just cut whatever promo they wish with barely any structure whatsoever. Um, and Hogan repeats the Helter Skelter line as well. Yeah, he does. Um, it's kind of like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, one of them says like no that. more Mr. Nice Guy as well, and I'm just sort of like Alice Cooper's like in his coffin bed just turning. Rough nicely. <laughs> Rough nicely for Alice Cooper. <laughs> that, that's the end of this Nitro, and we did a huge rating this week. We did a 3.7 versus no Raw. There was no Raw this week. That's the reason why there was 3.7. There was no, uh, there was no dark matches, but there are a couple of points that I do need to make, so there's no Raw, obviously, as well. Uh the note that I've got to make is uh, Sherry Martel was fired this week by WCW for showing up to the last taping drunk and in no shape oh, shit. to perform. Her angle with Medusa and Colonel Robert Parker is now off, which might add credence to why Medusa was so shoot on her when it came to their quick match slash segment on the previous Aww. Nitro. Um, this I'm so disappointed. I am as well. I am as well. But this went down on uh, the 12th of February. Uh, on the 17th of February which was the Friday, uh, we would see Brian Pillman appear on ECW's Cyberslam internet show. In the middle of a Joey Hayes promo, the lights went out, and when they came back on, Brian Pillman was standing in front of a raucous ECW faithful. When asked what he was doing there, he simply stated that a company in Atlanta, Georgia, had took away his constitutional rights and then goes on a psychotic work shoot on WCW. When the crowd took to, took a liking to it, he then decided to let out a verbal onslaught onto the crowd. Uh, <laughs> the most notable oh. insult was saying that the crowd were full of smart marks, to which this very day is one of the most common insults in pro wrestling chat rooms, obviously. Pillman then proceeded to lay waste on uh, lay waste to one of the fans at ringside. I say fans, quote unquote, because it was a plant. Uh, first spitting at him and then piling him into the ring to beat on him over and over. Uh, before Shane Douglas would make the save, Douglas then told the rather shiny-looking security who were dressed as YMCA police officers to throw quote that blonde-haired piece of shit from WCW out. Or I'll kick his ass tonight. Typical Shane Douglas. Typical Shane Douglas. Never was a fan. Even when he was throwing up in a ring in TNA. Um, that, that that was the highlight of his career, I think. Uh, he, he was gassed <laughs> really? and he was over. and Not over. He was just like over and done with. That's what I meant. Uh, but he was so out of shape. He went into the corner of the ring and threw up. Because he just couldn't hack it anymore. I seriously do not remember that. And I watched him TNA pretty hardcore when he was the manager of the Naturals. It was um, it was early days, I think. I think it was back in the pay-per-view days, to be honest. Wow, okay. Right, Take a that's look. why I haven't seen it. Take a look. It's it's worth it just because Shane Douglas is a bit of a cunt. Um, just to give a little bit more insight into what happened after Brian Pillman was given his quote-unquote release after Super Brawl. So there was a NAPTI convention right after his release. Um, again, quote unquote a release. What convention? So a NAPTI convention is basically where entertainment uh, producers, directors, uh, companies. So WWE, WCW, and ECW were all at this NAPTI convention, as well as Viacom, um, Turner, 
you know, all the networks, you know, loads of Hollywood, like they were fucking mega stars there and all sorts. Uh, and what WCW had was they had like this little box that had like Sting and Macho Man in it. Um, and apparently it was like a really like low grade box. Um, for more information, actually, you should probably listen to Grilling JR with JR. Um, he goes into a quite a bit of detail about this. And this is this is where these details come from. So I listened to this a few months ago. So Brian Pillman, after his quote-unquote release, and I keep saying quote-unquote because Eric Bischoff maintains that Pillman was given a hypothetical release, but he was actually still contracted to WCW. He was just allowed to do other things, to develop the character, get heat, and come back onto WCW television. Um, but around this time, the internet wrestling community was about to take off, uh, and it was becoming a pretty huge deal. The WWF, WCW and ECW were all represented at the NAPTA convention with a lot of high-up TV executives in the fold. Brian Pillman showed up using Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter press pass to get into the event. Pillman was not under contract with any company, quote-unquote, walked up to the WWF's table. He looked at Jim Ross, who he'd previously worked with when Jim Ross was in WCW, and said he was going to work Vince McMahon. I can't remember what he did. Um, I think he just, again, went with this loose cannon gimmick and just started fucking throwing shit around and, you know, getting in McMahon's face. Um, again, the details are hazy, cause it, but it was on JR's uh, podcast. But Pillman causes that much of a scene and shoots that much on Vince McMahon that Vince McMahon told JR to offer Brian Pillman a contract the very next day. And it was apparently, according to multiple sources, the very first guaranteed WWF contract. Apparently. Fucking hell. So he had three offers on the table. He's still contracted contracted to WCW. He was negotiating with ECW after showing on ECW TV. And then he'd done this to Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon gave him guaranteed money. Doesn't matter what the fuck happens. You're guaranteed for an X amount of years. Um, Right now, Brian Pillman is the hottest free agent on the market. Whether he's under contract or not. That is amazing. Yes. Uh, Bischoff in Controversy Creates Cash maintains that those two, he was still under contract to WCW and it was almost as if it was a verbal contract between him and Bischoff that he would be allowed to go and work for ECW and he would be allowed to go and work for the WWF as well as long as he came back to WCW and Bischoff would give him a reasonable amount of money. He was asking for quite a bit of money in his in his contractual renegotiations. He was asking for like top tier money. He was asking for like Sting and Macho Man kind of money. Um Bischoff was like, you're not at that level yet. What you need to do is you need to just sort of go and advance this character, but do it in a unique way. Come back, and I'm, I have no problem making you one of, one of the big boys. Stick with the Nitrogen podcast because we're going to detail a little bit more about Brian Pillman as it goes forward. Um, he does have his car accident in April, which is literally just two months away in this WCW timeline, so we're not that far away from it. We'll keep you posted on Brian Pillman's career in this timeline. Uh, 
uh, because I'm I'm fucking massively intrigued in all this because there's a lot of this stuff that I I'd never seen before. This is all new to me. Um, yeah, so I, much. I, and I was saying, me seeing Brian Pillman with fresh eyes. I mean, it's completely new to me. I've heard like little uh, tidbits of what he was like when he was in WWE, but that's about it. This whole thing is unheard of. This whole thing. Who has bounced around all three promotions like in the same couple of weeks with stories it's, like that? It's un- unbelievable. It's incredible. So absolutely incredible. Because it's happening in this timeline, we're going to keep we'll, we'll keep on top of it, uh, and I'll make sure I've got the details to hand as well. But suffice it to say, there's a lot more to come with the Brian Pillman story. Not necessarily to do with WCW. But there's a lot more to come. Um, what was that event called again? Napte, N A P T E. Right, because the first time you said it, I thought you said Napster. <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm gonna say that's way too early. And I, you know, I can imagine just fucking Metallica turning up and like, shut this fucking thing down. <laughs> Stop sharing our music, bastards. I would, I would presume that it's the North American production of tv association or some yeah sort of stupid like that but it's a big deal like it's a big big deal um it has to be for all three wrestling federations to be there alongside again like i said viacom and, and turner network and and you know all the rest of it you know murdoch's were there and yeah so well, sure. um without talking about that too I'm much regret- i'm regretting saying oh for sure already <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brian, fucking hell. One beer. One beer, yeah. Me too. Um, Nitro 25, February 12th, 1996, in Salisbury, Maryland. I love the the word Salisbury. It's like really English. Um, (laughs) That's a correction, by the way. It's the 19th, not the 12th. Oh, shit. Never mind. Roll with it. Roll with it. It's live, pal. I've copied. I've copied it in fucking twice. Never mind. Uh, quick rundown from the commentary desk and straight into business. That's basically it. Uh, just, just talking shit. Um, yeah. We're gonna start off with Arn with woman versus. Oh no! I, I cannot gloss over Heenan. What he says here. Oh. He just says, uh, "Savage has a bad leg, a bad arm, a bad back, and <laughs> a broken heart." Yes, but without the violin this week. He keeps giving yeah. uh, keeps giving Macho the violin, but he he omitted it this week. He's loving it though, isn't he? He's he's loving this little, destruction of Macho Man. But that little <laughs> before a broken heart, I'm just listening to it. And I'm like, you are such a prick. Yeah. <laughs> but I love you. I love you so much. So the first, even though Savage is my guy, like true, I love you, Heenan. Yeah. So the first match on this one is the rematch from last week, which was the main event, which is Arn Anderson, who's accompanied to the ring by a woman, versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hogan with no stopping and flexing to the fireworks, but rips the shirt off in the ring while Arn is on the outside. Arn enters, and we go straight into the fight. I've got to say one thing. When Hulk Hogan was on his way out, the picture completely cut out. Yeah, it did. Yeah, 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 yeah it did. Yeah. Um, and it happens again later it on. Does. But I, I, will, I, will, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's it. Okay, fair enough. So there's a little, there's a little tidbit in the commentary as well uh, that says it might have been in the last nitro actually. Uh, if we gave any impression that another company might have been pissing around with our, I'm paraphrasing, 
pissing around with our power uh, power supply. We absolutely did not mean to instigate any sort of theory. Um, basically, he, he was saying the WWF might have done that on purpose, but we all know that it, they fucking didn't. Uh, but yeah, now we've got the TV cameras sort of fucking flexing out. Yeah, yeah, Vince McMahon's down there messing around with some plugs. Um, That's very intriguing because I'm trying to remember when Steve Austin faced Savio Vega. It was at an in-your-house event and the lights completely cut out. Cause I, I did mention this previously, didn't I? And yeah. They basically just wrestled with like one of the uh, spotlights from the arena just flashing down on yeah. them. Um, I'm actually searching that up as we speak. 97? Uh, no, it was 96, but it was after this. Oh, right, okay. It was in May of that year. Right. So, never mind. Well, other things are going to happen in May, so stay tuned to the Nitrogen Podcast. There's a lot Ooh, segue. happening. Arn enters, and we go straight into the fight, which goes straight to the outside for a bit of guardrail and ring post action. Uh, back in the ring, Hogan maintains the pressure until Arn uses a cheap shot with an eye rake and a head to the turnbuckle for cheap heat. The top rope axe handle doesn't come off, though. Hogan choking Arn on the floor. Goes back to what Heenan was saying about these cheap tricks that Hogan's always got away with. Um, another plug for the special of Baywatch. The episode that, of course, was filmed... Wow, fucking hell, a few months ago now. Um, so there was a little bit of detail on a previous Nitrogen podcast episode. If you've only just joined us, we do have an archive. While you're at work, while you're on the bus, while you're out having a jog... Have a listen to the previous ones. Um, this Baywatch episode is full of WCW stars such as Fleur, Hogan, Macho, and Kevin fucking Sullivan made it into a Baywatch episode. Kevin fucking Sullivan. Wow. Like. Well, it's not like you're fucking desperate for stars. I know. You've got the three biggest names in fucking wrestling. I Fleur, mean, got... Hogan, and Macho. And then Kevin Sullivan. You've got Alex Wright. You've got Alex Wright on the WCW roster. He fucking fits well into a w, uh, into a Baywatch episode. Well, you know what? You put him in some, you put in some red uh, red shorts and get him uh, slowly running. I, it's believable. Yeah, back to the match. Uh, just um, I've got complete disdain about the fact that Kevin Sullivan managed to make it into a Baywatch episode. Um, back to the outside, and Hogan uses a fan's Hulkamania bandana to choke Arn in a very nice touch. Thought it was really good. Um, we also get a plug for Uncensored in March, which is a, quote, no-holds-bar event, end quote, with rules going out of the window, apparently. So we might have to check that one out, Brian. Hmm, let's see. Mm. Complete dominance mm. from Hogan here, uh, with Arn literally having the spot detailed earlier as his only bit of offence until he gets Hogan on the mat from a back elbow, which Hogan sold really poorly. Hogan sucks chance ring out as Hogan gets his breath back. Uh, and we're back to the outside again. The commentary team talk about the Loch Ness Monster, as well as the WCW Cruiserweight title with more details coming over the next few weeks. Um, obviously, that's what we're here for. Arn reverses a whip into the corner that Hogan again poorly flows through. Uh, he slips a DDT attempt from Arn and gets into position for his leg drop after the big boot, but he instead goes for another inverted figure four. But here comes Macho Man. 
He stops Kevin Sullivan, who I didn't see come to the ring. No, neither did I. <laughs> getting into the ring. The referee sees Macho helping Hogan, but hasn't actually hit anybody that's involved in the match. Oh! And throws the fucking match out as a disqualification oh. and says that Arn Anderson is the fucking winner of this fucking match when he didn't even fucking touch anybody. What the fuck's going on? Seriously. Right, so you have the exact same fucking issue as I did. Is that he, all the ref does is when Arn is in the figure four, he holds his arm and looks at him. He holds his fucking arm. What's the fuck is he holding his arm for? And it's not like he's like raising it and dropping it like you, you were doing like a, a sleeper hold or anything like that. He's holding it as if to say like, yeah, I've got you, man. I've got you. I've got you. It's all right, man. Like, what the fuck is he doing that for, first of all? He does not make eye contact with Savage or Kevin Sullivan throughout that. He just sees, uh, he just sees Savage in the ring and disqualifies Hogan. Now, we're not Hogan fans by any means. We don't give a fuck if he gets disqualified or not. It's the fact that there is just no fucking reason for that to happen at all. It's miscommunication at the junction yet again. How many times on this podcast do I have to say nonsensical? Seriously, this is, what, episode 12? And I must have said nonsensical probably about 50 times. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Also, at all. when we're actually talking continuity as well, is that it, yes. during the match, during the match, Orn goes over the top and Heenan, straight there, he just says, ring the bell. Straight away, ring the bell. Yep. Is that we've we've discussed this several fucking times now. What is the rule? <laughs> what is the fucking rule? Yeah. Uh I think Heenan is shoot saying things like that because even he's fucking confused. Lord rest his soul. He's on our side with this and we're on his side with this. He, he's we're right in his corner with this one. This whole over the top rope disqualification thing first and foremost it's not been said on tv whether or not it's a thing or whether it's not a thing but then they used it in a pay-per-view so then it was a thing but now since it's not a thing again and yeah i i I mean this is just this sort of stuff these little things need to be taken care of because people are seeing this at home there needs to be continuity. There needs to be. Um, and I know me and Brian are a little bit OCD about certain things, but this is... And we aren't being smart about this. It's just a fact of life, right? If if, if we see a cock-up, we're going to call it out. And this is a cock-up, but it's a continuous cock-up. Yeah, exactly. And it's it, It's no different than watching any other TV show. It's like... If I'm watching, let's just say, off the top of my head, Game of Thrones. If I'm watching Game of Thrones and Daenerys is that, you know, that that nice blonde sweetheart that doesn't have an evil, evil bone in her body, and then the next week she's fucking setting fire to a whole city and killing children just because, which did kind of happen, I know they alluded to it fucking years before, but let's just go with it, you know, but with no explanation as to why she's just fucking suddenly 
snapped or like that, you are going to fucking look at that and go, right, that's bullshit. You know, and you're going to call it out. You're going to call out the writers for it. WCW is a TV show. And when things like this happen, it illegitimizes the actual products itself. And that is why we get so hot about it. I'm impressed that you went with uh, Daenerys next week. She's setting fire to things. I thought was, you were going to go for the Starbucks coffee cup that made it into the final cut. Mm, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was the way you were going. Again, continuity just went straight out of the window. Um, fuck me, we could do a separate fucking podcast on Game of Thrones I mean, series and not. get hot about that last right, de- last season. Let's fuck be, me. Let, let's be honest, right? Daenerys, uh, Amelia Clark, she's she's British. She probably goes to fucking Costas, guys. If you're gonna if you're gonna leave a coffee cup, do it right. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, that scene wasn't even filmed in America. No. So, it was definitely one of the Yanks. Peter Dinklage, we're looking at you. Do you reckon Peter Dinklage gets a tall uh, latte? Oh. oh! I had to say it, sorry. He didn't. <laughs> oh, he did. He did. Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to have to take that one out, aren't I? <laughs> oh. Sorry. Oh, I'm not going to, though. Oh, God, right. Okay, right. Hey. You've lightened the mood. <laughs> Nick Patrick... That was the only other thing I was going to say about this. The referee in this was Nick Patrick. Like, he needed any more fucking marks against his fucking moustache-wearing name. Um, This didn't make any fucking sense, guys. Don't fucking watch it. We could spend another hour fucking talking about the fucking nonsensical nature of this and just get really hot-headed, and we'll have more beeps. I said I wasn't going to get hot about anything. And now I've just swore like 25 times. Anyway, right, okay, yeah, cool. Right, so yeah. Or two unclean victories over Hogan in two weeks. Again, Hogan can't go over clean. It can't, it, he can't lose clean. Uh, next up, we're going to get Alex Wright versus the Loch Ness in what I called a dropkick festival. Oh, yes. It's a <laughs> dropkick palooza. It is. And I hope your ratings are ready for this one, Brian, because I tell you what, this, there's quite a few. The entrance camera seems to be on the fritz. As uh, Brian alluded to earlier, Loch Ness's music is right out of the Indiana Jones playbook. I, I'm, I'm going to say one thing. I didn't really write a lot about this match because there wasn't really a lot going on. No. Uh, speaking of the dropkick amateur, is that it was just a collective eight throughout because, you know, they're, they're, uh, Alex Wright's dropkicks, they're very consistent, so it's kind of like fruitless to really discuss it. But is it me? And this might only be me. This is a very straight fighter match. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like these two very diverse characters. You've got one dressed like a fucking mechanic called not, uh, Loch Ness, and you've got this German guy, an absolute dreamboat, coming out in a leather jacket and red trunks. You know, um, I, I don't know why. I was just like, I just had Street Fighter fucking vibes from this. Yeah, I can feel that, yeah. Um, again, nothing from Loch Ness, uh, but a, a herpole at the beginning. Right with an attempt of a go behind, but he can't get a grip all the way around. Um, I literally rated the drop kicks myself. Actually, I went seven drop kick, eight drop kick. Attempt at a crossbody somehow manages to get into a sleeper hold on Loch Ness on the top rope. Brain says it should be a rope break as he's in the ropes, which is it's a fair point. Uh, a big snapmare takes right all the way down to the other side of the fucking ring, but he's up and attempts a splash, ish, and Loch Ness just grabs him with a bear hug. 
There's possibly about just under a minute while he's in this bear hug. But Alex Wright will try two more seven drop kicks uh, and some kicks in the corner, which rock Nessie a little bit. Big back elbow, but Loch Ness reverses the second one and drops his massive splash elbow on for the three count. Again, Jimmy Hart is delighted and Loch Ness calls out Hogan directly to the camera. Right. Uh, there's one thing you're missing out as well. When he actually hit that splash, all you could hear is Alex Wright going, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I missed that. And then completely. Dave Pesner goes, You win. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sorry. Good effort. Oh, like if that. we're going to go for Street Fighter, let's go all hog. Yeah, you did it. Well played. Um, <laughs> next up, next up, we've got the Belfast Bruiser, also known as Fit Finlay, versus Brad Armstrong, who I know fuck all about, but no. I have heard his name a few times. And to be honest, I think he stays in WCW like all the way till it closes. Mm. Um, the commentator says, "Bruiser, yeah. what a name for Finlay. My name's Belfast, and I love to bruise." Yeah. Sorry, I fucking love Finlay in WWE. So, you know, I'm, I was fucking pumped for this. When I saw him, I'm like, yes, one of my guys. But then you um, saw his haircut and realised he's like the 57th roster member in WCW to have a mullet. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. And then when you think, like, okay, we found the 57th, then we see Brad Armstrong, who's also rocking a mullet. <laughs> so that's 58. And we can't even say it's of the time, like, 1996, come on, guys, fucking hell. They no, invented the scissors by now. <laughs> I mean, um, Brutus the Barber Beefcake is on your roster. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, spiral work. Oh, hey, now you're fucking giving it away. No. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they have access to a fucking pair of shears, is what I'm saying. They've been paid enough <laughs> fucking money to have a decent hairstyle. Jesus Christ. Uh, the commentators say that Fit is after Stephen Regal. There's not much context given to this, but it basically looks like, and I'm pretty sure it's announced later on, that uncensored Fit Finley will face Stephen Regal. Um, it's harking back to World of Sport, obviously. I don't know if they even ever had a rivalry in World of Sport. Yeah, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. But it could have been Saturday night. I have no idea. No idea. Um, I saw Armstrong comes to the, uh, Armstrong comes to the ring, obviously, and he's just straight down with this kind of like varsity jacket NFL kind of gimmick like just been seen a million times before it's just just basic stuff um, Bischoff says that some WCW stars are going over to Japan in April for a show over there and uh, we instantly get some racist USA chants to start the match plenty of holds from Fit which allows the commentary team to put over the heat on uh, Elizabeth and talk up Macho as he faces Flair later on in this episode of Nitro for the world title. Bischoff also talks about Antonio Piena, who is the promoter of Treble A, and says that there's a newfound partnership there and that there's going to be a few more wrestlers coming from Treble A into WCW. Very interesting. He also announces that Eddie Guerrero will take on Conan for the United States title at Uncensored. Oh, I've not written anything else about this match what i have written is that there needs to be a drinking game invented for every time that the commentary team mention solar plexus and anything to do with dental work oh yeah there's a lot of that yeah <laughs> and, yeah uh, irish tooth canal that is one of the things that came up like uh, I, I think yeah i think tooth canals are pretty universal mm. you know do, when when 
when Heenan uh, used the term, obviously this is a very British term because they don't call it that over in America, but the term local anaesthetic, is that what he's thinking here? Like, oh yeah, that's some Irish anaesthetic, oh that's some British anaesthetic. So, you know, it, it's completely lost on me. I will say one thing though, and this wasn't a bad match by any means. No, it wasn't though. No, bad match. It was, you know, it was a typical Finley match, you know. He, he, he does the mat work, he does the... The the, uh, the bruiser work, you know. Yep. He, Armstrong tries to ma- uh, not match the light for light, but try and match it with speed and getting constantly getting cut off. But I have to, <laughs> you know, I, I have to mention one thing. Um, Armstrong is prone next to the ring, you know, uh, next to the ropes. He's just lying down, and he somehow pushes Finlay over the ropes. I don't know how he managed that, but when Finley goes over the ropes, he turns into fucking Warrior. <laughs> he just goes, just lets out this guttural fucking sound. Like, where the fuck did that come from? And I, I, I just love that. I, yeah, the, the the whole thing was pretty entertaining. I, I know I didn't write much about it, but um, the unfortunate thing is, when it's Finley, it's kind of very technical. Kind yes. of like a Kurt Angle-esque sort of map technical holds and and, and it's 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 a lot to detail for such a, an, a I don't want to say a nothing match because it doesn't give it the respect it deserves but in the grand scheme of things in storyline terms there's not much happening here. Um, no. We're told that you know he's going to be facing Stephen Regal at uncensored. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's not a problem when it comes to uncensored. I'll watch it, uh, but the the. The pretext is just, it's lost on me because I don't know where Brad Armstrong actually comes into this. No. Um, JR speaks very highly of Brad Armstrong. Does he? Yeah, he says he's like one of the best wrestlers to never have made it. It's like he was always there, but he never made like a big name for himself. Well, again, varsity jacket wearing generic gimmick isn't going to get you anywhere in WCW specifically. No. Uh, obviously, Absolutely there's... not other places that he was and I'm pretty sure he was in the WWF before this so I don't know um, he, he just he seems to be a filler kind of guy and he kind of seems like the same with Paul <laughs> filler yeah well you need those fillers for the Irish uh, root canals don't the you the root canal the, the uh, one thing I will say about what you what you said about that I, I thought I thought he was making a reference to canals because we call them canals I don't think Americans call them canals uh, I don't know. <laughs> I could have been it. I don't know. Just Heenan sort of trying a little bit of British mannerism. Um, Any Anybody that can clear this up for us, you know what to hit us up. The finish was a tilt-to-world slam to give it a win for Fit Finlay. And it was, a, it was a fucking nice tilt-to-world slam again. There was nothing wrong with this match whatsoever. When you actually said it was kind of like a bit passive, it, uh, it was a tilt-to-world slam. It was a fucking good tilt-to-world slam. That. It was. It was. In my notes, I wrote a great tilt-to-world slam to win it for Fit. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's just unfortunately there was no meaning to the match. It was a no. good match. It uh, was an exhibition match, but it was a fine match regardless. It was... I just put winner Belfast. <laughs> I didn't even put Bruiser. No. Uh, Worthy of being on Nitro, I'd say as a match. Yeah, very much so. Uh, just didn't develop any storyline really. At the end, uh, Fit Finlay did say, scream into the camera, uh, Regal, uh, I'm currently undefeated um, and I'm coming for you or something to that effect. Well, you are undefeated. You've had one match. Yeah. 
Into the main event, after a short break, uh, we've got Ric Flair, who is the WCW World Heavyweight Champion with Woman and Elizabeth versus the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, as we see at the beginning, Ric Flair has left the Macho Man's name on the belt. Yes, the belt doesn't say Hulk Hogan anymore. I was wondering why he'd stop saying it. Yeah. Um, we see this after he takes his time walking around the ring. Uh, Nick Patrick holds the belt up to the camera, as they usually do when it's a title match. I, I do like how the nameplate actually just says Macho Man, not Randy Savage. Yeah. <laughs> just Macho Man. It's like, you, mem- you remember, what's it, the exercise guy from what, what uh, GMTV called Macho Man? Could he make claim for that title? Oh, he wasn't called. He was called. Uh, he was called oh, no, Mr. Motivator. Mr. Motivator, okay. yeah. No, never mind. <laughs> uh, Mr. Motivator is the new WCW champion. Yeah, cool. Okay, maybe the, maybe the village people can make claim to the <laughs> fucking title. <laughs> I don't know. I could just see Mr. Motivator in Harlem Heat now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. To be fair, right, Mr. Motivator would make a really good wrestling manager oh stick him in Dungeon of Doom oh no no he's wasted in the Dungeon of Doom wasted (laughs) (laughs) oh man Mr. Motivator I'm going to tweet him actually we'll get him on board Um, get him to do a plug yeah definitely Um, so we kick off and Matt Joy's intensely uh, with shots and a backdrop to Ric Flair Um, Macho carries on the onslaught in the corner, but a big atomic drop takes him right out of the ring. Woman stalks the Macho Man, while Liz is in camera shot also, which is a great way to keep the fans reminded, fans at home reminded, that they are there and will get involved at any opportunity. Fleur gets back into the ring uh, at the request of the referee after going out initially to go and beat on Macho some more, while Macho goes up the ramp to try and attack Woman. He chases her off, but when he's coming back to the ring, he takes a big elbow and some shots from Flair, propping himself up against the guardrail. Woman then comes down to rake. It wasn't a rake, it was more of a rub in the eyes of the macho man. Back in the ring, chops do nothing but wake macho up. Uh, He no-sells him. There's a bit of back and forth, and Flair gets the chance to get up top, but macho is up and slams him down. There's a figure four on Flair, and it does feel like we've had 13 figure fours this last week or two. Uh, woman at ringside is very vocal, egging on Fleur, but Liz is also at ringside, but very timid and awkward. I have to bring up another Heenanism. Yeah. He, he's actually saying about like um, how the, the intensity of Macho Man as, uh, you know, he's got maximum in- intensity is what he's saying. But he accidentally says Maximus yeah. instead of Maximum. I wrote that and he down. gets caught. Yeah, Mongo calls him out on it. And <laughs> he, he explains himself. He goes, Maximum is to the nth degree. Maximus is three more. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good laugh Just out of that. Like off the cuff. You knew he fucked up. You knew he fucked up. He wasn't meant to say it. And he just, quick as a flash, just came out with something that could just, you know, sell it really well, mate. You know. I, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was, yeah. Is that like Circus Maximus? Uh, no, it's it's Maximum. <laughs> that was actually a good impression of Mongo. <laughs> Don't say that. 
He's very good. So the figure four, there's a rope break, but Macho won't break the hold until the referee gets involved. Um, Macho goes running off the ropes when they're back up, ducking clotheslines and gaining momentum like a freight train, only to get a brutal back elbow from Fleur. There's a suplex from Fleur and then kicks to the side and then to the head. More hope spots for Macho as Fleur chops again and Macho uh, replies, but Fleur gets his figure four on himself. So that's the 14th figure four in these past two weeks then. Um, Macho reverses it after a minute in it himself. Both are back up and Macho gets a backslide off with immense fluidity and he bounces off the camera side rope uh, and almost looks directly into the camera and you can just see all this fucking energy just in his eyes alone. Um, but yeah, something, something as simple as it seems coming off the ropes at that sort of trajectory and then getting a backslide off it looks easy, but it really isn't. Um, and they, they, it's just really simple between two fucking pros, and it just looks so good. The crowd are receptive to Macho's hope spots and go mental for Macho actually spitting at Fleur when he gets the advantage. For me, Macho is on top with right hands and a back body drop. Fleur attempts his Fleur up and over in the corner, but Macho has um, a clothesline and then a, an axe handle from the top rope. Elizabeth attempts to get a heeled shoe to Fleur again. Macho intercepts the uh, shoe and goes for it with Fleur, but Fleur kicks out. Orn comes out and gives a DDT to Macho while Hogan has ended up coming out and is messing about with Sullivan and the referee. Uh, Fleur is on top of Macho and the referee counts to three after being wound up in the old Kelly, Kevin Sullivan and Hulk Hogan melee. Um... And then you said melee. Yeah, I said melee. Just, melee. Yeah, Sullivan just starts running around the ring. That's all I saw. And then Hogan uh, comes. So much happened. As quick as a cat. Yeah, just fucking change. No explanation. You just see them uh, one chase and the other. And I'm like, is this fucking Benny O? Yeah. <laughs> so much was happening. Like it was hard to keep tabs of what. You know, I, I didn't see Sullivan running around, although Sullivan does look like the kind of character that would just run around the ring. He doesn't look like a wrestler at all. He's nearly woman at this point. I just can't fucking believe it. Um, so there's a big fight well, happens in the ring and a new bloke comes down wearing white with tassels. Uh, it looks like Brutus the Barber fucking beefcake. Um, and it turns out uh, that it is. Um, Fleur, Liz and Woman are back up at the commentary booth because it worked so well last week. Joined by Sullivan and Arn, uh, as Fleur says that they are the new kids on the block, but they're chased off by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Hulk Hogan comes up saying he wants a six man tag and says that the new guy's name is the Booty 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 Man. Really? Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt Sean Hogan bully Bischoff as Macho grabs for the title, saying that it's his. He also says that he'll knock Bischoff out, even though Bischoff was saying that he wanted Macho to be the world champion. Uh, Hogan just grabs a mic again and he's just an incoherent mess. Macho's no better, to be fair. Brutus comes back and pulls some flexes and some ridiculous faces and Bischoff says that they'll get the six-man booked as we go off the air. Um, there's reference made as well that the booty, 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 booty man was a spy in the Dungeon of Doom camp. It is. I completely missed that. Yeah, yeah. It's. But I knew he was 
Zodiac. Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah, that was that was a surprise to me. I didn't realise that Brutus was actually Zodiac. Um, oh, sorry. sorry no, sorry. It, it it don't matter because I, I I'm not sure that they say it in the next one or not. Um, and to be honest, I, I'm not interested. It's Brutus, boy, it's Brutus <laughs> Beefcake getting a fucking job because Hulk Hogan's there again, and just I'm just not in for it at all. You know, just let's stop looking after fucking Hulk Hogan's mates. They don't offer anything to anything ever. Look at TNA when Hogan and fucking Bischoff went there. Nasty Boys offered fuck all. Bubba the Love Sponge offered fuck all apart from TNA losing Awesome Kong. You know, just anyway, I'm not fucking getting into it. Uh, <laughs> rating for this, uh, 2.9 versus Rose, 3.1. Um, I'll give you the results and then we'll try and get your synopsis if you don't mind, Brian. Uh, the results for Raw... Dark match, which was Duke Droies. No idea who that is. Defeated Huns... Uh, Duke, Duke the Dumpster uh, Draws. Oh, right. Draws it. Okay. Uh, defeated Huns- yeah. Hunter Hurst Helmsley in a steel cage match. Yeah. Going back to the... What? <laughs> in a dark match. Really? In a dark match. Fucking hell. Okay. But uh, still, that's surprising. But yeah, speaking of the very workers' man gimmicks, can you guess what... Duke the dumpster draws his gimmick was. Well, I know this because he was in the gimmick battle royal. <laughs> Go on, answer it. He, he was a he was a bin man. He was a bin yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, which by the way, in that uh, that match, all you hear is Bobby Heenan fucking em- enthusiastically saying, "It's a bin man." <laughs> it's the bin man. Sorry. Yeah. I. Again, just Heenan being Heenan. Yeah, and the w- the weirdest thing is that um, Duke Drozzi is actually more over than Hunter Hearst Helmsley here, which is Triple H, obviously. But, of course, this is three years before Triple H slept his way to the top of the WWE. The next dark match is Ahmed Johnson defeating the British Bulldog. Another dark, Fucking hell. Another dark match, Diesel and Shawn Michaels defeating Jake, the Snake Roberts and the Undertaker. Oh my god! <laughs> no. This is ridiculous now. Razor Ramon, Scott Hall defeated Gold Dust, who was the WWF Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he uh, he was accompanied by Marlena, but it was by count out, so there's no title change. Skip and Zip with Sonny, not Zig and Zag, from the Big Breakfast, as we mentioned on the last podcast. <laughs> Faced Barry Harowitz and Aldo Montoya, which ended in a no contest. And then, on the actual show itself, the ringmaster Steve Austin with Ted DiBiase defeated Marty Jannetty. The Undertaker with Paul Burry defeated Tanka, who was accompanied by Ted DiBiase. And other segments included a vignette promoting the return of the Ultimate Warrior, uh, a vignette from Mankind as well. And it also included a Larry Fling Live segment. Not Larry King, Larry Fling. With special guest billionaire Ted, where he says chronic laryngitis is rife in the company, WCW, and makes accusations that one of Turner's advisors in the Time Warner merger is a convicted felon, that Hogan's salary is assigned to another division in Turner, which uh, I was pretty sure is actually common knowledge because it was. WCW never paid Hulk Hogan. Um, That the tens of millions of dollars that WCW was losing wasn't being reported to the public shareholders of the company. 
again, WCW turned a profit in 1995, but given accounts actually take a year, so 1995 would have got 1994 as results, and 1996 gets 1995 results, it could theoretically be correct. Uh, there's also the fact that WCW had to produce their own TV show with their own equipment, which they rented off Turner, whereas the WWF was supplied equipment by the TV company. The show also accepts calls from Randy, who says he has a problem with thinning her, and from Terry, who says that he needs next Monday off because he's had a size 7 heel shoved straight in his eye. Um, Fucking yeah, hell. To be fair, I, I did find those those phone calls slightly amusing. Like the, the ribbing fun at this whole shoe-in-the-eye thing, which, to be fair, it does need a little bit of ripping. I think going after Randy's her loss i think that's a bit much that's a bit cruel it is a bit but yeah there's there's a little bit more that goes along with that as well that i've not detailed which is basically that there's an investigation into ted turner's practices and an investigation by it's not the fbi but something quite similar in terms of economics and companies and everything like that the wwf are taking some like serious serious shots here now like we're, we're talking legal shots we're not talking like giving results out or anything like that, but stuff that that could get WCW and Turner into like serious trouble. So the WWF are going whole hog here. But what I want to know is, I want to know who's actually playing these characters. Uh, I want to know who's under this these prosthetics and these this this uh, makeup because I can't recognise any of them whatsoever. At the I, I did watch that little interview again as I did the last time, and right at the end, it's clear to see why WCW is sneaking right up behind the WWF. The closing segment was The Undertaker and Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer is holding the uh, holding the urn and basically there's just a casket festooned all over the floor in, in like a parking lot or something like that. Um, and you've just got Paul Bearer screeching in a high voice, Diesel, you're going to pay for this. Trash the coffin, that's all he's done. The unfortunate thing is the production value just looks so low that you could understand why that cheese and then this sort of WCW realism was slowly catching up on what the WWF were doing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, again, shots fired by the WWF, this time over to WCW. Um, Eric Bischoff does make reference to there being a whining noise coming from the north northeast of the arena which is obviously a reference to the northeast of America and that the WWF are just whining about WCW. I'd say that's fair, considering the stuff that WWF are now doing in yeah. reply to what WCW have been doing. I'm not condoning what WCW were doing in the first place, um, but now things are getting a little bit serious and just a little bit petty. Also, the investigation that I was I was uh, alluding to earlier on was sort of like we have the, the Competition Something Commission cdc or something like that we have that over here over there they were investigating turner because there was a complaint made i believe by the wwf that ted turner was monopolizing the wrestling industry um huh okay fast forward to 2020 yeah okay uh. then <laughs> anyway uh so that's I'm, that's I'm just shaking my head <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So, Brian, we've come to the end of this Nitrogen podcast. What did you think to these uh, to these nitros? 
Yeah, the first one was a bit pants, weren't it? Pants. Oh, yeah. you fuck, you fuck, you had to, didn't you? Pants. Yeah. Pants off. <laughs> yeah. Fucking had to. Yeah, I got a lot of courage. Uh, no. <laughs> Oh, great, Scott. Uh, yeah. Um, it, yeah, the, fir- the first episode... Oh, great, Scott. Scotty Riggs. I'm fucking glad you got it. I was yeah, just sat sorry, there like, it is took he going to get that? It took me a minute. It took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first episode wasn't great, but I think the second episode might just be the best episode in actual we've reviewed yet. Wow, okay. Yeah, very fast-paced. Very snappy. There wasn't really a bad match, I'd say. Like, um, I, I mean, take um, Alex Wright and Loch Ness for what it was. At least it sold. It, at least it had psychology. Yeah. You know, the the, the Scotty Riggs uh, Loch Ness uh, match didn't have any of that. It's like Alex Wright was just trying to knock down an unstoppable force. And yeah. repeatedly couldn't do it, and the the unstoppable force, Loch Ness, got the upper hand. Basically, there were there was psychology in it, and I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the second episode, from start to finish. I don't think there was a moment where I was bored. I know the the Hogan arm match for what it was, but there was there was enough shenanigans to make it interesting. Yeah, and and Owens Owens made Hogan look good both times that they've wrestled here. He did. Um, carried him all the way through the match, made sure he was in the right place at the right time, and just sold for him. Made you know made Hogan look like he actually has more than three moves in his repertoire, uh, which we all know is an absolute lie. And that's even something that Ric Flair couldn't do. Yeah, you know, Ric Flair couldn't bring Hulk Hogan to have a match that we're I'm not going to say revering. Um, but a match that we're, we're kind of impressed with, it 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 was Arn Anderson that's done that, and um, currently Arn Anderson is well deserving of all the time that he's getting on Nitro. Absolutely, yeah, definitely highlight of um, of these. Well, yeah, nineteen ninety six as a whole, really. I know we're obviously only in February, but he's definitely advancing as a character, advancing uh, many of the people around him as well, including the veteran Hulk Hogan. And the, the title match between Ric Flair and Savage was excellent. Yeah, it was. Definitely. Um, yeah, all the characters here, they, they've, they've played the part, even the commentators, uh, everything's looked really good. Um, the only thing that really let it down is, is just this 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 whole brawl thing that's happening at the commentary desk at the end of every <laughs> at the end of every Nitro. But other than that, that's basically the end of it. Another episode in the bag of the Nitrogen podcast. As always, you can find us on the social media channels over there on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Of course, we're on Reddit as well. At Nitrogencast is all you're going to find us on. And of course, as we said in the beginning and the middle of this episode, we've got a competition running. All you need to do is you need to find that pin tweet and that pin status and find the picture on Instagram. And all you need to do is share and like the original photo. That is it. Your name will come up in the statistics. And what we will be doing is we'll be drawing two names out of the hat and one of you will win a hoodie and one of you will win this awesome T-shirt that has been concocted by the pair of us. It's just a little thing to say thank you 
to all of you guys for listening in because we've reached 100 unique listeners. Our last episode of the Nitrogen Podcast, aside from the bonus episode, was one of the fastest downloaded that we've ever had. So it seems almost as if week after week, I sound like Bischoff now, uh, it's almost as if week after week, things are gaining momentum for us and you know we're gaining more listeners and people are interacting with us more on the social media channels. We've got merch... We've got so many surprises coming over the next few weeks as well. You've no idea. Me and Brian have been talking about this before we came on air tonight. Um, there's so much stuff. I'm so excited. We've got so much. I just want to let the cat out of the bag for everything, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You'll find out in due course. No, if wrestling has taught us anything, a slow build is the best build. Absolutely. As always, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to do this with you, Brian. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening again. Stay tuned. We've got more great things coming. As always, it's a good day, good night. God bless wherever you are from Marvellous Mark Ashworth. And from me, Brian Bradshaw, that's Acton Kid. We'll see you again for another episode of the Nitro Gen Podcast. Mm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that <didn't laughs> Ah, staying uh, in. I'll try it. Treat the light fantastic. <laughs>